Well, good morning again, Kingsway. As, uh, as most of you know, our pastor Matt is on sabbatical until about mid-April. And as, we were, uh, as he was helping us to prepare for the series that we would be going through while he was away, uh, we, we were planning and we came up with this series that we're going to be kicking off, which is Things I Wish Jesus Never Said. Because it takes a good friend like Matt to say, you know, I think it'd be great for our church to go through a series where we just talk through all of the really difficult things that Jesus said that no one ever wants to talk about, and you guys handle that, and I'll be back in two months. Okay, thanks, bye. <laughs> just so you know, I, I told Matt before he left that I was going to tell that joke, and, and, and the truth is we, we actually were very privileged to get to come and talk about some of these more difficult things that Jesus said, and you know, if anything that, that myself or some of the other speakers say, if anything offends, just feel free, shoot an email to mnickerson at kingswaychurch.org. Somebody will get back to you in about two months. <laughs> so this new series, let me tell you a little bit about it. Things I Wish Jesus Never Said. I can see the excitement in your eyes already. <laughs> As Christians, as followers of Christ, Jesus is at the center of everything that we believe. And when we read his word, so much of it is, is, is stuff that excites us. It is life-giving. I love the idea that I'm supposed to come to God with the awe and the wonder of a child. I love hearing from Jesus about the forgiveness of my sins and knowing the true path to God. I even love hearing Jesus challenge me not to be living for myself, but to be living for others. It's hard stuff that he says, but it's stuff that uplifts your soul. But then there's times when you're reading the Bible or you're listening to Bible teaching, and you'll, you'll read something Jesus says, and you'll say, eh, that can't be right. <clears throat> Is this right? What version of the Bible am I reading? Jesus, did you, do you really mean that? And we hear these things, it's like, boy, man, maybe, maybe I wish that's something I would have just skipped over. And one thing I do want to be sure to point out before we dive in is that this series is things I wish Jesus never said. This is not a series that is giving a couple of different speakers an opportunity to get up here and say, hey, you know what? In the Bible, Jesus said some really hard things, and you all aren't doing very good at it. <clears throat> You know, no soapboxes, no wagging our fingers. This series was put together by a group of people who said, man, I have read scripture and it has convicted me. Jesus has said things to me that have made me have to reevaluate the way that I'm living my life, that have challenged me to do things that I don't necessarily want to do. And so we want to talk to you about some of that conviction, about some of those things that Jesus put in front of us and said, this is hard, this is difficult, but this is what I'm calling you to. So will there be things in this series that you hear that are convicting to you? Absolutely, I hope so. But we want you to know that it's coming from a place from us, the same place it was coming from Jesus, and that's a place of love. Jesus did everything he did, he said everything he said because he loves us. And because he knows that he, doesn't want, he, he would have to tell us hard things sometimes because he doesn't want to leave us in a place that is far from him. He wants us to become more like him. And because he loves us, he says hard things. 
So this morning, if you've got a Bible, we're going to be in John chapter 15. You can open up there. We're going to take a look at the first eight verses of that chapter, and then we're going to go, kind of go bra- back and break it down through the whole message today. John chapter 15, starting in verse 1. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So Jesus, he uses this metaphor that some of us may not be as familiar with. We all, we all probably have an understanding of what grapes and a grapevine are, but most of us are not involved on a regular basis with the care and the upkeep of grapevines. So I brought something to kind of help us visualize this just a little bit. Now, there are a couple of things that I can say about this that may be kind of obvious. One, this is not a grapevine. Two, this whole thing is already dead. And that's a good thing because if it wasn't, I would probably end up owing Brian Franco a plant. Um, I'm the opposite of a green thumb. I just move into a house and all of the plants and trees around the outside die. But Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. So what Jesus is saying is that I am, you know, the, the centerpiece. I am the, the, the central part and you are, are, are connected to me. You're receiving your life from me. You, your existence is because I exist and your purpose as a branch is to bear fruit and it's, that's great. That's a, it's like, hey, good word picture, Jesus. That, that all sounds really nice so far. But this isn't a series on Jesus' best metaphors. This is a series on tough things Jesus said. So I'm going to need these. In verse 2, Jesus says two very difficult things for us to hear. He says that, If you are not bearing fruit, for the branches that aren't bearing fruit, God is going to cut you off. And you're out. And you're done. And you're gone. And you're thrown into the brush pile. And then he says this. He says, if you are bearing fruit, that you're going to be pruned so that you can bear even more. And, you know, I'm thinking pruning, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I prune some bushes around the house every once in a while. And, you know, pruning, it's, you know, just taking, you know, taking a little bit off of here and, you know, taking a little bit over there and a little of that. You know, just kind of just forming it up, you know, getting, getting it into a nice, you know, shape. 
Well, I, I looked up pruning a grapevine this week. I, I read a short article on pruning a grapevine, and I watched a short YouTube video on it, because you can learn how to do anything on YouTube. Um, and here's what I learned. I learned that when it comes to pruning grapes, the most common mistake people make is not pruning hard enough. Light pruning doesn't promote adequate fruiting, whereas heavy pruning provides the greatest quality of grapes. So I'm watching this guy on YouTube in my video, and he says, here's the problem. He says, what people will do whenever they're pruning a grapevine is they'll come, and you know, they'll take a little bit off here, or maybe they'll even take this thing off right here, you know, and get rid of that. And he says, no, 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 what you've got to do is you've got to get right up close to the vine and take it off like that. Well, that doesn't look a whole lot different than cutting the branch off completely, does it? You're seeing why this is something I kind of wish Jesus never said. Kingsway, Jesus in this passage tells us that if we call ourselves his followers, we're getting cut either way. He says that either you are not bearing fruit and you will be removed completely, or you are bearing fruit and I am going to prune you so that you will bear even more. So I hope we're seeing at this point that fruit is pretty important. Where we land in the end of all of this all comes down to whether or not we are bearing fruit. So it's pretty important for us to understand what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about fruit in this passage. So let's take a look at it we can learn and see what we can learn about fruit from this passage. And for starters, what we can learn is that fruit is something that we cannot produce apart from Jesus. Verse 4 says that you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. And in verse 5, he says that if you remain in him, you'll bear fruit. And apart from him, you can do nothing. So this means that to figure out what the fruit is Jesus is talking about, we have to see that he's saying that you can rule out pretty much anything that a person is capable of doing or being or producing apart from Jesus. It means that making money is not the same as bearing fruit. We all know lots of people who make lots of money and who have absolutely nothing to do with Jesus. At the same time, success in business or fulfillment in your job, it's not the same thing as bearing fruit. Lots of people can have those things and be entirely apart from Jesus. And, and God may choose to bless you with those things, absolutely, but just because you have them does not mean that you are bearing the fruit that Jesus is talking about. Athletic success for you or for your sports team or for your kids is not a sign of bearing fruit. You probably know somebody who has just put the idea of bearing fruit for Jesus on hold for the sake of athletic success for themselves or for their kids. If that person's in the room, don't make eye contact. This is about things that Jesus is saying to us, not things that Jesus is saying to our neighbor. Same goes with academic success. Those are, those are good things. Those are things that you might experience, but those are things that people apart from Jesus can have too, and so they are not the fruit that Jesus is talking about. Healthy relationships 
are not necessarily bearing fruit. They may be a byproduct of when you bear fruit for Jesus, but by themselves, having a healthy relationship, having healthy interpersonal relationships are not a sign that you're bearing fruit. One for the, uh, one for the home crowd here. Church attendance, even things like Bible reading and prayer are not necessarily bearing fruit. Faithfulness to religious practice is something that anyone can do. Someone who is apart from God can be faithful to a religious practice. But we kind of we confuse the two things in our head. That's the problem of growing up in a quote-unquote you know, Christian society is that we confuse faithfulness to religious practice with fruitfulness. Well, you know, if I go to church and, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in a Bible study and, you know, I pray for, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, then I'm good, right? Those things are all tools that can help us to bear greater fruit, but by themselves, those things are not fruit. Fruit, in the sense that Jesus is talking about, is something that can only happen if we are connected to him. If it's something that can and is accomplished by somebody who is apart from Jesus, then it's not the fruit that he's talking about here. The grapes that grow from a grapevine, they grow because they are connected to the vine. The the fruit that grows, grows because it is receiving life and nourishment from the vine. The fruit is the evidence of healthy connection to the vine. So the fruit in our lives that Jesus is talking about, it is the evidence of a healthy relationship with Jesus. Fruit is the evidence of a healthy connection with Jesus. And this could encompass a lot of different things, and and honestly, we should be bearing lots of different kinds of fruit. The passage even said, I want you to bear much fruit, and so we're going to talk about what a couple of those things might look like, what what some of this fruit might be in your life, and hopefully we'll see that we're bearing fruit in, in a lot of different ways. One of those ways that we bear fruit is by becoming more Christ-like in our thoughts, in our emotions, in our actions. If you need kind of a measuring stick for this, Galatians 5 is a good place to go. It's actually probably the most famous fruit passage in the Bible. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's really awesome how scripture works, how, how Jesus in John 15 is talking about his followers bearing fruit, and then you jump all the way forward to Galatians 5, and it's talking about what fruit looks like in the life of a believer, someone who has the Holy Spirit. It says, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So this is what bearing fruit looks like. And this passage here is an entire sermon, all, or like an entire series of sermons all by itself, but I do just want to point out a couple of things about it. One is, you might say, well, does that really meet the criteria that we talked about for fruit? Like, I know someone who could probably grow in self-control, but they, you know, they don't have a relationship with God. You know, I, I know somebody who probably has become more kind who doesn't have a relationship with God. That's true. Somebody probably could grow in those individual things, but that's why it's really important that we see that the Holy Spirit produces this kind of, not fruits, but fruit in us, singular. 
It's saying that whenever you are following God, whenever you are bearing the kind of fruit that we're talking about here, you're growing in all of these things together. And when you grow in one of them, you grow in the rest naturally. And whenever you're held up in one of these things, you naturally are stopped up in growing in the rest of them because they are a fruit. So that you, as a follower of Jesus, when you grow in patience, will you also grow in joy and when you grow in joy, you grow in faithfulness, and so on and so on. And this is what fruit looks like in the life of a believer. Another way of, of bearing fruit is growing in our obedience to God's will. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, what you're saying is, I want to follow the things that you said. And what this means for us is that, you know, I am, I'm becoming less about, well, I do things the way that I want to do them, and more about, I want to do things as Christ would have me do them. We become less about, well, I'm entitled to my opinion, and more about, I am entitled to the attitude and opinion of Christ, even on the internet. When we're bearing this kind of fruit, we, come, we become less about, well, this is just the way I am. And more about, I want to be as Christ would have me be. As followers of Jesus, we give up the right to say, well, this is just the way I am. People just have to deal with it. Because we are supposed to be saying, if just the way I am isn't just the way Christ is, well, then I'm not bearing fruit. One last way we can look at of bearing fruit, and this one may be one of the more obvious ones, and this is greater witness to others about Jesus. Bearing fruit means that you are pointing others to Christ. It means that you're sharing with more people about the message of Jesus and the love of Jesus. It means you're taking what has been invested in you and you're, and you're pouring it out to others, in, in, in kids, into, into students, into care ministry, into, in, into missions, and going and being a part of what God is doing around the world. It means that you are pouring out what has been poured into you. If, if your faith is all about, well, it's about me, it's about focusing on myself, it's about looking inward, it's about my own personal growth. Then, then this is fruit that, that you may not be bearing. So with a little bit better understanding of kind of what fruit isn't and what fruit is, we need to, we need to revisit, you know, the difficult things that Jesus said in this passage. And the first is that if you don't bear fruit, you're going to get cut off. If, if you are not showing signs of fruit in your life, then you're cut off and, and you're, you're good for nothing. Jesus says that, that it, you, are, you are a branch that withers and is going to be thrown into the brush pile and burned. And church, this is a sobering statement. Jesus is not talking about people who have no relationship with him and claim no relationship with him. Jesus is talking about people who say they're connected to the vine. He's talking about people who say they have a relationship with Jesus. And he's saying, no fruit, you're out. 
And I wanna be really clear on this because scripture is incredibly clear on this. We are not saved by the things that we do. We are not saved by the fruit that we bear. We are saved by the grace of God because Jesus died on a cross for our sins. And Jesus says, when you are saved, there should be evidence for it. When you are saved, there will be fruit that you bear. And if there isn't, then you're going to get cut off. He says, evaluate yourselves in this. Philippians 2 tells us to work out our salvation. We should be evaluating ourselves in this. We should be asking, am I bearing fruit? Am am I becoming more Christ-like in my thoughts, in my emotions, in my actions? Am I doing the things that Christ would have me do more than what I used to? Am I pouring more of myself out to others, investing in other people's faith than than I have in the past? Am I further along in these areas than I was a year ago or five years ago or 10 years ago? Or have I just kind of stood still? Have I just sort of, you know, I, I made a decision to get baptized whenever I was, I was younger and that, I just, that was kind of, I was kind of done right there. I've been chasing those other things, those things that we talked about that aren't fruit. You know, I've really just been kind of living my life going after those. We need to evaluate whether or not we have been bearing fruit. And if your answer to those questions is, I, I don't really know if I have been, or, or I, I'm not really sure, well then it might be time to make some changes. It may be time to evaluate the things that you are doing and evaluate how you can remain in Christ day after day. But I, I do want to speak a word of encouragement. If, if you are at a place where you say, you know what, I don't really think I've been bearing fruit. I don't think I've been growing in the things that, that we're talking about here. I want you to hear me in this. It, you're not cut off. Like, you don't need to be hanging your head going, you know, I've already been removed, I'm already done, I'm already out. A vine dresser may work on a plant every season, but God, he isn't looking to cut people off until every opportunity to bear fruit has been had, which is typically at the end of our lives. Until then, we still have an opportunity to bear fruit. We still are part of the vine. But stop wasting time. We all have stories of people who, who, who their time was over way before anybody would have expected it to. It came entirely out of the blue. If you look at your life and you say, I'm not sure if I'm bearing fruit, don't waste any more time. And to the second difficult thing that Jesus said, that to those who are bearing fruit, no matter how great or no matter how small, you're going to get cut so that you can bear even more. In order for a branch to bear greater fruit, it has to undergo some difficult pruning. And this is one of the things that just runs up against Christianity in America because in our country, we tend to measure the success of something by how much pleasure we derive from it or how much easier it makes our lives. Church, pruning hurts. Pruning is difficult. 
The things that will typically make you bear more fruit for Jesus are not things that are going to make your life easier. The things that are going to help you bear more fruit for Christ are not going to necessarily be things that you always just derive the greatest amount of pleasure from. They aren't going to be things that are free from hardship. God, as a wise gardener, might actually take some of the things that are making your life easier away so that you bear greater fruit. God, as the wise gardener, might actually take some of the things that you derive pleasure from away because he recognizes that it is more important for you for your eternity, that you bear fruit. Some of you can already think to moments of incredible hardship in your life, moments that you wouldn't want to relive in your worst dreams. But you look to those moments and you say, in that moment in time, boy, was I close to God. Boy, was I growing in my faith. Man, was I able to have a witness for other pe- to other people for Jesus? I think back to my year in law school. My year in law school was awful. No offense to the lawyers in the room. And I readily admit that I was in that because I ran away from God's calling in my life to be here and be doing this. And I, but I look back to that season, and law school is a dark place. There are a lot of people with a lot of ideas that do nothing to honor God. There are a lot of people who are just chasing the almighty dollar and are willing to do anything and everything that it takes to get it. I look back on that and it's like, man, I would not want to go back there, but it was one of the greatest moments of growth in my walk with Jesus in my entire life. I went in and I had to be on every day because I knew that I might be the only witness for for Christianity that those people got to rub shoulders with. I knew that I had to be focused in on my relationship with God and growing in it because I was walking into a place where everybody was going to try and strip that away from me. And I grew and I got to see fruit in my life because of that season of pruning So there are going to be moments of hardship, moments of pruning in our life that are going to help us grow. If if your health is something that maybe keeps you from growing and from bearing fruit for Jesus, then maybe he prunes your health away. I know that there are people who have testimonies in this room who will speak to the fact that, man, I can tell you that whenever I went through that disease or whenever I experienced that injury or whenever we had that season of infertility or whenever we experienced that death in the family, we grew in our relationship with God. We grew to rely on God in a way that we never had before. We trusted him more. We were able to witness to other people for him because of that. And no, we wouldn't wish illness or disease or injury on anyone else, but boy, did we get close to God. Boy, did we get to see fruit bared in our life from our faith because of a season of pruning. If your security is something that's keeping you from growing in your relationship with God, is something that's keeping you from bearing greater fruit for him, he might take your security away. You might lose your job. You might lose that opportunity for the scholarship. You might, you might have the dream job that you're going for and you get into that dream job and it's the worst season of your professional career. But boy, do you grow 
Boy, do you learn how to rely on Jesus. Man, do you, do you learn how to witness to others for Jesus in the midst of that season? And again, we wouldn't wish bad things happening to people, but these seasons of pruning are things that Christ can use to help us bear greater fruit for him. You're seeing why this is something that I wish that Jesus never said. Because in, in truth, we kind of want Christianity to be easy. Like we want it to be one of the easier things that we have going in our lives. It's a good life. It is a meaningful life. It is a joy-filled life. But Jesus tells us it's not going to be an easy one. If you look at your life and you say, well, actually, Christianity is one of the easiest things I have going. Work is way harder than that, and stuff with my kids is way harder than that, and everything else in my schedule is way harder than what's going on with my faith. That should be a red flag to you about the fruit that you're bearing. Because it's not supposed to be easy. This whole series that we're going to be in, you could say the next seven weeks is going to be a pruning series. We're going to be looking at a series of things that Jesus said that make us go, ooh, ouch. Jesus, that's not easy to hear. Jesus, I don't know if I can do that. But if we listen with an open heart, if we listen willing to give our lives over to him, willing to do as it is that he tells us to do, we're going to bear greater fruit. One last thing about this passage before we close. We read that we are true disciples if we bear fruit. And that we can only bear fruit if we remain in Christ. So the last question we have to answer is, how do we remain in Christ? Because we can only bear fruit if we do that. So again, we'll take our cues from the vine and from the branches. How does a branch remain in the vine? And for starters, it stays connected to the vine. We can only remain in Christ if we stay connected to Christ. This requires close proximity. This is, uh, this is staying close to his word. This is why it is so important that we aren't getting our only time in the Bible for the week in here from a sermon on Sunday mornings. We need to be close to God's word every day so that we can stay connected with him. Connection with Christ means closeness to Christ's church. Jesus loved the church, loves the church. He calls the church his bride. And you cannot stay connected to Christ if you do not stay connected to God's people. This means that if, if you are separating yourself from fellow believers, if you're not regularly experiencing community with them as a part of worship, as a part of life groups, as a part of Bible studies, as a part of mission opportunities, then you're going to have a really hard time bearing fruit. And the, the former student pastor in me would just absolutely kick myself in the pants if I didn't say the same goes for your kids. If the only spiritual community your kids experience is coming in here with you on a Sunday morning, 
if they aren't around other believers their age as a part of our student ministry, as a part of our mission partner with Get Real Inc., as a part of some incredible groups that meet in schools like FCA and Young Life, if they aren't a part of these opportunities to get together with other believers their age, they are going to have an incredibly difficult time bearing fruit. I had to cut a big chunk of this out of my message because my wife told me I totally got on a soapbox and so I'm going to stop. But hear me in this, parents, opportunities for your kids to be involved with other believers, to be connected to other believers so that they are connected to Christ, it is not the same as just another extracurricular activity. Other ways that we remain connected, like a branch remains connected to the vine, one of them is dependence. The branch never thinks that it could make it without the vine. The branch never stops depending on the vine for life and for existence. Church, we need Jesus like we need breath in our lungs. We need his forgiveness. We need his grace in our lives. We need to recognize how much we depend on him. There is no joy without being connected to Jesus. There is no peace in all circumstances without Jesus. There is no hope for eternity without Jesus. There is no hope that we can have an eternal significance with the things we're doing in our lives without Jesus. We need him. We depend on him. We depend on him for every blessing. We depend on him to take the things away that are keeping us from growing and bearing fruit. And we can never stop acknowledging because we will never be able to acknowledge enough just how much we need Jesus. And the last one I'll mention is this. It's continuance. Continuing to be connected to the vine. This means that we don't, uh, whenever things get hard, whenever times get tough, we keep on trusting him. No matter what comes, no matter what life throws at us, we keep with Jesus. No matter what temptations come our way, we stick with Jesus. It means that it doesn't matter. We're going to keep on believing in him whenever times get rough. We're going to keep on believing in him whenever doubts arise. We're going to keep staying connected to him whenever our schedules get busy, whatever it may be. This is by definition remaining in Christ. And I'm going to land the plane today with this because this, this is a difficult teaching of Jesus. This it, it beats us up a little bit knowing that if we're not bearing fruit, we're off, we're out. And if we are bearing fruit, well, that doesn't mean things are going to get easier. It means things might actually get harder so that we can bear more. But I want to leave you with what Jesus says in John 15, 9 through 11. Immediately after talking about bearing fruit, Jesus says this. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. That's a big deal. Jesus loves us as much as God loves Jesus, part of himself. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things, not so that you'll walk out of church feeling beat up. (laughs) I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. 
Jesus didn't say all this stuff to get us down or to discourage us. He said it to fill us with joy. You might say, well, that's a weird way of expressing it, Jesus, because it felt a little bit like you were beating us up. Because he told us this so that we could take the guesswork out of it. You don't have to sit around wondering, am I okay with God? Am I doing the things that make him happy? Am I going to go to heaven whenever I die? You can know. You look at the fruit in your life and you can know without any guesswork, with absolute assurance. If I am bearing fruit, then my salvation is secure because I am with Jesus and that should bring us joy. And even if you look at your life and you say, I haven't been bearing fruit, Jesus told us this so that we can start, so that we can start to bear fruit in our lives, so that again, we don't have to worry about it and we know that we are with him. It takes the guesswork out and that is a joyful thing that we know that we can bear fruit for Jesus, that we can live this life of significance, that we can take all of the guesswork out, that we can bear fruit for our own sake You can bear fruit for the world that Jesus died to save. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father God, Lord, we thank you for hard things that you say. Lord, we thank you that your word is honest and that your word is forthright and that you tell us what we need to hear because you love us, because you want us to be filled with joy. And so, Lord, I pray that each and every one of us, myself, first and foremost, would walk out of this place and examine the fruit in our lives. Lord, that we would look at our lives and that we would be able to say, I am growing to become more like Christ. I am pouring out my life into others. Lord, that you would grow us and help us to bear greater fruit where we are. Lord, I pray for those who are in a season of pruning, even in this moment right now. Lord, who are experiencing some of that hardship, some of that difficulty. Lord, that it would not be wasted, but that they would recognize the season and the opportunity for growth. But Lord, I also pray for them peace and comfort in the difficult time. Because I know that you are with us and you are growing us so that we might all become more like you. We love you, Jesus, and it is in your name that we pray. Amen. If, uh, if something about this message kind of hit you hard, you need to talk to somebody about it. We'll have some people who are going to be standing down here under the cross by the curtain. They would love to talk to you, love with, to connect with you. Um, otherwise, we love you. We hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next week. Kingsway.